0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast.
1: Fucking <laughs> okay, don't even know, are not you?
0: Welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host JoJo underscore B, and I'm joined by my co-host and my lovely husband, Swami Barakas. Oh, and he's still not speaking. I see. Why aren't you speaking, darling? Liverpool lost. What's that? Liverpool. Sorry, I can't hear you. What are you saying? Because my beloved Liverpool lost. Oh. And they lost. I he's still vain hurting. I'm in pain. He's still on that shit. Oh. Yes, yes, he oh. is. Get over it. No,
1: bruv, you don't understand because you're. I don't understand. Never... I'm a
0: Newcastle United supporter. I understand heartbreak. I understand real heartbreak.
1: But levels, levels of heartbreak, you'll never be able to comprehend. The, seeing Newcastle in the Champions League final. You'd love to bear witness to the fact that you may never see that in your lifetime. I think
0: it's probably best if I don't see that, to be honest, because I don't think I could be... I don't think I could handle the misery like you have been handling it. You haven't really handled it, though, have you? No, I haven't. I'm still in pain. He was in so much pain the other day and he had to watch it with my dad. So, yeah. So he had to really control his language and I knew inside that he was cursing and swearing all the way through but he couldn't do it in front of my dad.
1: Can you see like, how much of a dutiful son-in-law I am in the fact that, you know what, I appease both sides. I kept myself intact to make sure that I wasn't, you know, a fool in front of my in-laws and for them to still think that I'm a doctor slash lawyer uh, in my moonlighting time. <laughs> but I kept it all together in the face of pain, unadulterated heartbreak listen yeah
0: this is how much my dad loves you see when they, they've just been to India for the past six weeks and every time they rang me my dad just asked how you were coping with Liverpool and like oh did you did he watch Liverpool match how's he feeling about the Liverpool match and, uh, with your wins and your losses over the last few weeks and he's that's all he's asked me about I'm like yeah dad I'm okay
1: Yep. thanks yep. thanks
0: for asking dad thanks
1: it's that whole fact that your family love me more than you and yeah. my family love you more than me. This is true. We've literally swapped sides <laughs> in our life, you know, and getting affection from the opposite side of our family. But you know what? I'll, I'll take that. I've bonded over dad, over our love of football. Yes. And, you know, this particular occasion was a very heartbreaking one for me. Um, and one that I hope I'll get to see again and see us triumphantly winning the European Cup for a sixth time. But until then, this is pain. This is as painful as hearing a Jojo B. whinging, moaning conversation from a long day at work times infinity. That's how painful it is. Pure, unadulterated pain.
0: That was my time to be silent.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what? There's no need to be too silent, Jojo B. Is there not? Because today is a landmark episode. Is it? We have got to episode 10.
0: Oh my God. How did that
1: happen? We made it all the way to episode 10, Jojo B. I think this is an emotional occasion. It's
0: our 10th anniversary.
1: Amazing. Who would have thought we would have actually made it this far? That is crazy. And like, we're still together.
0: I know, just about.
1: Yeah, you know, because my lawyers have been called in on numerous occasions over the course of our show. Um, But every time I've just managed to you know, cancel that last deposit payment to put a transaction through for our divorce.
0: There you go. See, that's what it is, isn't it? You just don't want to have to pay for anything.
1: It's the it's the angel in me that's that's still keeping this marriage alive, and um, and it's your also, bank account
0: that's still keeping this marriage alive. You don't want it to get any smaller. That's what.
1: Well, yeah, because we, you've pretty much drained all as the if. money out of me over the course as of as our marriage. I'm an
0: independent woman, I make my own money. Oh.
1: All single ladies out there Do not listen to Jojo B Because she does indeed Drain me of my bank account Get screwed You know I've been buying her loads of Ribina this week But you know what For the sake of this podcast And for the sake of our marriage I've decided to keep us together And get us all the way to episode 10 I, I need some Dahlia, people Dahlia.
0: Get nothing from me
1: You're did welcome it, everyone
0: You did it all on your own didn't you
1: Well, you know, I kind of, you know, I played my part into ensuring that we got to episode 10, Jojo B. Uh, I'd like to think that, uh, you know, the driving force behind the Native Immigrants podcast, yours truly, um, deserves a bit of a pat on the back. Well done. There's only so much that I can do to carry this entire podcast process on my back and, you know, walk up.
0: Listen, yeah, I've still been here. It's not like you had to do a a show on your own.
1: I don't have to do a shit on your own. I to say. (laughs) I've been here to wipe your ass, so no, how literally, dare
0: listeners. He hasn't actually wiped my ass.
1: <laughs> I know you wiping mine, but um,
0: you know, maybe. he did have to hold my hair back when I was being sick, though.
1: Oh dear, sorry, you know, babe. There's things that you really want to see. You know, when you know you're envisaging over the course of your marriage, and you know how much you're going to walk through the the rigors of life together, uh, holding your partner's hair back as she regurgitates all of her contents into a toilet bowl severely wasn't one of those
0: but at least it was because i was sick and not because i would just had one too many drinks well that's because that's like a whole other level of being sick as well that when you've had one too many drinks
1: and you know all about that wouldn't you jojo b
0: you know what i've only been sick on drink once really yeah i can hold mine
1: how far back was that
0: that was about five Six years ago, I'm flying,
1: flying, flying
0: <laughs> Five, Six years ago. years ago, and that was because the alcohol that's not even was that bad. Thorough. It was really bad, cheap alcohol, and that's the only reason I was sick.
1: Was it Desi Daru?
0: No, it was at a really bad bar in town, and the uh, the girl that I was with, she just ended up being asleep and went all the way to Heathrow on the Piccadilly line. <laughs> Loyalty. She, she fell asleep and didn't realise where she was.
1: These hoes ain't loyal. <laughs> um, I also have only vomited once during a night out. Um, and if he's listening, Mo, screw you. Um,
0: <laughs> was Mo making the drinks?
1: Mo was making the drinks. Yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Those got, are Mo's lethal very, drinks. Let's just say he's very generous with his uh, alcohol levels uh, when pouring out drinks. Yes, he is. Um, and he has no grasp of uh, mixing drinks in terms of different spirits and. Uh, oh yeah, because, just anything goes. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um As someone who doesn't drink themselves, he's just like just pour it all in. Who cares? Yeah.
1: I was, I was like, you know when you, you know when you're vomiting <laughs> oh, and you rank. look down and you just you're looking at stuff that's coming out and you're like, what the fuck is that? What what is this thing? Wait, wh- why, what's that purple thing there?
0: Do you know what? It has to happen. It's just one of those things. The right rite, rite of passage. It has to happen to everyone at some point if you drink. Yeah, drinking to excess will inevitably happen at some point, and then throwing up.
1: Yeah, let our stories be a lesson (laughs) to all you people. Drink moderately, drink within your limits.
0: You know, I was still a lady, though, when I threw up. I waited till I got home.
1: (laughs) There's nothing lady And I locked the bathroom door
0: and I was by myself. Okay. And I threw up in the toilet bowl. So (laughs) I think that was pretty good going.
1: Well done, you angel. (laughs) You could have at least saved yourself all that by drinking properly.
0: I was drinking properly. We don't know what was in our drinks. It was crazy. These drinks were just insanely disgusting and for some reason we carried on because it was free because it was somebody's leaving do
1: so there is an element of Gujarati inside you yeah I'm i had... <laughs> sorry that's just about... <laughs> that I'm came out sorry, that's sorry,
0: disgusting you know what
1: I'll say like over the course of our 10 episodes we have learned an immense amount about each other
0: yes we have
1: you know um I've learned that you have incredibly morbid dreams
0: yes I do
1: Care to share a recent one with our lovely listeners, Jojo my I, have,
0: God. I have no idea where this dream came from. Like, I, I literally no idea because I would, don't know why I was dreaming about this person. But I had a dream about Nish Kumar. And I dreamt, it wasn't one of those kind of dreams. I had a dream that he died. And that in my dream, I was really sad. I was really upset, as I would be, obviously, if he died in real life. But in my dream, I was really upset. And so was the world of Twitter. And, you know, there's a mass kind of outpouring of grief over the fact that he had gone too soon and all that kind of stuff. And uh, and I can't remember what happened to him. I think he died in a car crash or something. But um, then I woke up and I was like, is he really dead? Just for a moment. I thought maybe he really was. And then I realised he wasn't. And that actually all is well in the world. Nishkamara is alive and well. And we can carry on with our lives.
1: Um... Okay, well, um, Nishkumar is thankfully alive and well. Uh, I did just check Twitter, just to make, just to make sure a little okay, while ago. And he did tweet.
0: Because tw- Twitter is the first place you find out about someone dying.
1: Well, Twitter is also the worst place when looking for things as well. Because sometimes, you know, you search on the trending topics mm. and a name just pops up. Like, I remember when like, Sir David Attenborough came up on a trending topic. Oh my God. And I was like, oh my God, no, no. He's our hero. No. And then I, and then I quickly checked on it and it was just an episode of, you know, planet Earth coming on or blue planet 2 or something oh yeah and i was like oh fuck um but you know he's up there in a list of people like, you know that like trevor mcdonald
0: i know. met him i used to see him all the time at work no mm-hmm. he's a tall tall man he doesn't look that tall on tv he's a tall man
1: really yeah and he owns short.
0: the space that he's in
1: i can imagine a kind of like you know this a glowing orange aura as he as he walks yeah. through does he glide through a corridor yes
0: he really does wow and he totally owns that space and everyone's like hello sir trevor oh <laughs> yeah gentlemen
1: but anyway nish is very much still alive um very sharp contrast to the kind of dreams that i normally have when i'm having mass orgies with uh loads of wwe divas what but that's what happens when you you know the last thing you watch before you sleep is like wrestling and porn it's a unhealthy combination stay away from it kids
0: welcome to my life people
1: Right, anyway, getting on to the show, uh, episode 10, our landmark show. This is where we got to throw like one of those like, you know, Tim Westwood
0: dun, 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 kind of noises. Yeah, love a lo- good siren.
1: <laughs> love a good siren, exactly. Uh, we're going to start the show by bigging up my brother, Asjad Nazir, who actually featured us in this week's issue.
0: We love you, Asjad.
1: Of Eastern Eye. He's the best. Big up, Asjad. And Asjad only actually listens to this podcast to hear you swear. Ah, So he must listen to this podcast a lot.
0: Fuck shit, bollocks. That's just for you. <laughs> that's just for you. I and said. The, Do you think I sound more geordie?
1: When you swear? Just generally, because I've just been home. You have just come back from Newcastle, yes. Uh, spent some time with your loving family.
0: With my fam and my girlies.
1: And your family sport me, which is awesome, which yeah. is why I love going to Newcastle. They sport
0: me too. It's
1: the only thing I love about Newcastle. Um, but. Do you, you mean know.
0: that's the only thing you love about Newcastle? You love me, and I'm from Newcastle. You're and you love my house. You love I my. house. I do love your
1: house. I can't lie. It it pains me every time I go anywhere up north, and you know I speak to the people about in their detached four bedroom, two bathroom, two reception rooms, massive kitchen, exceptional sized garden. And then I ask That's them, my house. And then I ask them, you know, how much this place costs, and then let me know. And then it brings me back to the pain.
0: It would buy you a parking space here
1: not even that yeah it buy you like a tile
0: love there's loads of houses on sale right round where my mom I can't speak right, right right round where my mum and dad live
1: wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs>
0: round, wrong, 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 wrong. but near my mum and dad basically there's loads and loads of places okay so you know we could always buy a lovely house in the center of the universe that is known there's Newcastle.
1: So big up, Azjad Nazir. Thank you so much for <laughs> featuring us in this week's uh, issue of Eastern Eye. Um, you know, he's, I'm trying to get him onto this show. I've been trying to lure him on.
0: Ooh, first guest.
1: First guest. Because you know what? Azjad Nazir, for those people who don't know, he's, a, he's the entertainment editor for Eastern Eye. And he's, um, he's literally met every single famous Asian in the world. Yep. Um, but he also very, very kindly got me an opportunity to meet my idol, Amitabh Bachchan. Wow. And my other idol, Sachin Tendulkar.
0: Oh my God.
1: And he didn't have to do that for anything other than two paroté.
0: Oh, and the fact that he's an all round lovely bloke.
1: Yes. I have uh, unfortunately not kept up my end of the bargain. No. So I need to start... Are getting... you
0: going to make the paroté?
1: Well, he doesn't need to know where the paroté came from.
0: Okay. Well, I think hint, you should hint. make them. I think you should make them. I can teach you how to make them.
1: You're going to teach me how to make parante?
0: Yeah. Oh my God, that'd be so funny. We should film it. Should
1: we film it? Should we do like a, t- like a tutorial video? <laughs> the Nimigrants make parante. <laughs> and like, you know, do like a, a weekly cooking show for our adoring audience. Do you
0: know what? My mum will have a fit if she finds out that I've tried to make you make parante. She'll just make some and send them down in the post. I think I'd be
1: more scared of people judging us from looking at our site like kitchen. Oh my right God.
0: Now. Yeah. Once we've got the kitchen done, Yeah. then we
1: can do it. I'm making ourselves look really, really shit here. Can we get a cleaner? Shall we?
0: I mean, you, is it bad? Is it bad to get a cleaner? People still like I feel in the guilt and in the pe- guilt yeah, in a guilt, and I feel like people are still very judgy about people who have cleaners, mm. but sometimes you like I haven't been well, yeah, so I haven't had the energy to do it, but if you don't have time, like I come back from work by seven thirty every day, usually, yeah, so when's the time? and if you have like a wedding at one weekend, that's it, your house just doesn't get cleaned for absolutely two
1: weeks. yeah, so what do you do? but then you know I look at like our parents' generation. And somehow they managed to clean their houses, get their kids up, feed their kids, take their kids down to the schools or whatever in that time period, work throughout the day, longer jobs than we have, come back home, cook, still clean the, the place as well, and then cook for their kids, put them to bed... Sleep for about four or five hours and start the whole process again. Our moms are What super are we women complaining though. about?
0: Our moms are super women.
1: This is why I always say we need to take more of a note of what our parents' generation went through to get us the lives we have today and our first world shitty problems in that yeah. we can't clean up a place for a couple of hours. So, slap on the wrist of today's generation, people like you and I, Generation X. Or millennials? I'm a
0: millennial, thanks very much. Okay,
1: I'm a Generation X. Big slap on the face for both of us, um, because we really need to learn from these people.
0: My mum was making me look bad this weekend. She was, like, telling stories of when she was nine months pregnant and, like, painting the walls and stuff. Unbelievable. I am not half the woman that my mother is.
1: Absolutely not, because her cooking is lush and yours. So, also...
0: What? So, over the
1: course of our 10 episodes, um, you know, you'll have heard of us... You know, discussing loads of crazy topics and very serious topics and our general day-to-day life. (laughs) But what you also would have heard is us discussing one of our neighbours. In fact, a little child downstairs.
0: It's not a child. He's like the spawn of Satan.
1: Well, so far we've heard this child incessantly screaming at long hours of the day every time we've been in.
0: Oh yeah, constant.
1: So we decided to go shopping one day and buy our daily rations, Yeah, like a sack full of potatoes and five bottles of Coke, which is our diet. (laughs) Came back, parked up our car, decided to walk out with all our shopping. And then we looked to the balcony underneath us. And lo and behold, for the very first time ever, we saw Miku.
0: And I'm sure his eyes were like red, like glowing red.
1: Well, I told you not to stare directly at his face and you still did that. And I was just like,
0: avert your eyes, Jojo, avert your eyes. Horns on his head, red eyes, just pure evil, pure evil emanating from him. Well,
1: it was more the fact that he looked at our direction. We looked at him. He stared at us. We stared at him. Found out it was a him after all. And he gave this really evil smile. Yeah. A smile, the visuals of which I can't get out of my head.
0: Like pointy teeth.
1: Yeah, that's probably Bangs. I think that's just, you know, he's prepubescent, so he's still, you know, his teeth are still growing and stuff. Bangs. He kept on looking at us as we were walking in with that smile.
0: He was muttering something under his breath. I think it was a curse.
1: Well, it was... He didn't blink his eyes either. No. Everyone's going to listen to us and think, who the fuck are these two evil fuckers, like, kind of sitting there and just gunning this poor little child? Do
0: you know what I say to those people? Try living in the flat above this little shit and see how you feel
1: absolutely because you know he's looking at us with a smile on his face saying i'm just waiting for you to get back into your flat so i can start screaming some more and now we've got a face to the voice
0: because now now we can like imagine the evil red-eyed fang toothed kind of image of him yeah whilst we (laughs) hair snakes (laughs) body
1: of an ant (laughs) Wings of an eagle? it screaming
0: <laughs> screaming and crying i'm sorry but i will never forgive it for waking me up at six o'clock in the morning on christmas day yeah. and then not stopping crying until 10 o'clock yeah. i got up at six o'clock in the morning i had the whole christmas dinner prepped by nine o'clock mm. it was all done and ready to go in the oven because that little shit from downstairs yes i'll never forgive it for that
1: indeed yes indeed miku i've got my eyes on you anyway we spoke on episode two about um, Asians in British pop culture and some of the shows we liked and some of the shows we didn't like. One of the shows we did like is a show called Ackley Bridge, which is going to be returning to Channel 4 on June the 5th. Yay! Thoughts, Jojo B?
0: Love it. Can't absolutely.
1: wait. You know, I think
0: it'll be interesting to see what they do this time round.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, for those people who don't know, it's about uh, two schools that emerged. One which is a predominantly Asian um, school and one which is a predominantly white school. And they've just... Come together and how their cultures mix and the diversity within it, and it's really, really, really great, really great television. And what I like to see: Asians being normal on TV.
0: Exactly. You know. Exactly.
1: Um, but uh, on the other end of the spectrum, which mm-hmm. is a, a quite a close link, Adil Ray, who plays the head teacher or uh, one of the teachers, basically. In, I think
0: uh, he's a he's a school like governor, parent type.
1: Yeah. Person of authority. Yeah. Um, he also stars in a show called Citizen Khan. Which I know a lot yeah, of people know about, and they've announced basically that they're looking to do a film version of Citizen Khan
0: because that's what the world needs. Jojo B, what yeah. are your
1: what are your thoughts on Citizen Khan?
0: So, on one hand, it's great to see brown people on TV because we always complain that there's not enough of us on TV and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But on the other hand, it's just not very funny. so what do you do like i I can't watch it and be fake because all you know is brown people so i should support it i have to enjoy it as well because time is precious and it's just not worth my precious time
1: yeah i think you know what it is it's again that whole issue of enforcing stereotype of which is greatly exaggerated it's almost become it almost feels like it's a parody on asian culture and it's—I kind of feel—are people laughing at it or with it?
0: Yeah, you know? it's a—it's a kind of '80s, '90s comedy sitcom. Yeah, yeah, but now, and so it doesn't really quite—it doesn't fit.
1: Yeah, doesn't I think the time work. and a place. We saw loads of like '80s or '70s and '80s sitcoms with Asians in it, like it usually
0: uh, browned-up white people. Though.
1: Absolutely, yeah. you know, um, none of which were politically correct. Uh, And, you know, this show obviously is is by an Asian, starring Asians, but I just feel it's a little bit too exaggerated. Yeah. You know, stereotypes are very, very long winded. Um, And so there are elements of it which were quite humorous. um, And but the parts of it which just a little bit cringeworthy.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I feel it's a bit sad given that we had Goodness Gracious Me in the 90s, which was so ahead of its time. Yeah. For us then to regress to something that's so kind of old and pastiche that i just think it's just not for me i know some people enjoy it yeah and good and like as i said i will always support something that you know pushes asian talent on tv Mm. but at the same time i have to enjoy watching it and i don't
1: yeah okay well anyway um but going on to something a lot more serious after the break we're going to be discussing a topic which unfortunately is quite prevalent in all our communities That of forced marriages. See you on the other side, people. back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Parakas. And
0: I'm Jojo underscore B.
1: And what you just heard there was the theme from the film Don. It, 40 years this month since that film came out. It's one of my favourite films ever. And that piece of music is actually my favourite bit of any kind of music from any Indian film ever.
0: It's iconic. I love that music.
1: Absolutely awesome. Kalyanji Anandji on the production. And it just encompasses that period awesomely uh my favorite period of indian cinema to be honest cuz i'm a massive Amitabh bachchan fan
0: i wasn't a fan of the film so much but the music that came out was awesome
1: indeed but we're going to be talking about music we haven't that's the one thing we haven't really discussed jogi for us and who we are and the fact that we haven't really spoken about music in any of our episodes so far at length yeah. i think is a, i think is a bit of a disservice on who we are well
0: maybe we can talk about our personal choices at some point
1: yes indeed i think we will but before that, you know, putting all jokes aside, this is a subject that we've been meaning to talk about for a while. Yeah. Um, since we actually originated the show, there's a lot of different topics that we both discuss and really get our thoughts on it and uh, discuss at length. Um, and this particular subject is actually quite um, prevalent because of recent uh, news. Yeah. So. On the 22nd of May, a woman from Birmingham who forced her daughter to marry a relative almost twice her age got convicted in the first successful prosecution in England. A really, truly landmark conviction. The girl was 17, the guy was 34. So, in essence, this mother basically trafficked her daughter to be married to a guy from Pakistan and end up as someone's slave.
0: It's disgusting and what's even more disgusting is if you know that earlier in her that girl's life when she was 13 she was actually made pregnant by this guy on a trip to pakistan because there had been some sort of marriage contract um which i think is like a temporary marriage or like an agreement to marriage or something yeah. um but yeah that had allowed him to have sex with a 13 year old when he was in his 20s and get her pregnant
1: yeah um obviously she was uh the mother was found guilty following a trial at Birmingham Crown Court. Um, the new offense of forced marriage actually came into effect on June of 2014, but very few people have actually been prosecuted for it, which is which is amazing. Um, and this one only arose because the girl obviously came back pregnant, wanting to have an abortion uh, upon her return to the UK, and her GP actually reported the concerns to social services. Um, but and- then she
0: still was then persuaded to go back to Pakistan when she was 17. Yeah um They lied to her and said and kind of made her feel reassured that nothing would happen when she went. It was just a family holiday. Yeah. And then they forced her into marriage.
1: Yeah. It's, it's disgusting. um More than three and a half thousand reports of forced marriage were made to police over a three year period. And over the same three year period, one national helpline run by a non profit organization received 22,000 calls from individuals or agencies concerned about forced marriages. There's an NGO called Karma Nirvana, okay. um, which is a, a charity, and they they received almost 700 calls specifically just in 2017, and most of them were from under-18s. Oh, my God. Um, you know, the, the actual company, Karma Nirvana, started in 1993. The director, Jasvinda Sanghera, actually ran away to escape a forced marriage herself. Yeah, She said, my parents were Sikh and Sikhism was born on the foundation of compassion and equality of men and women. And yet here we have women who are treated very differently. My brother was allowed total freedom of expression. He was also allowed to choose who he wanted to marry, but the women were treated differently and that was reinforced within the communities. It's gone unchallenged and it's deeply ingrained.
0: I think there's this ongoing fear, and that although I think it's less than it used to be, but there's this fear amongst some families a lot of families within all of the Asian communities, that their girls will be independent women Mm. and that they will be able to choose their own path in life. And I think forced marriage and the pressure to get married, even if it's not forced, but that that kind of pressure that we all get to get married is a way to control us. It's a way to keep the girls in line, make sure they don't step out of line, make sure they don't go down a path that, you know, the parents don't approve of or the community might talk about and and i think that forced marriage is the extreme end of that it's when parents do the worst to their child and then beyond that is when they do so-called honor killings you know like it's all part of the same thing of trying to control the women in their in their families
1: yeah i think within we've got a there's a there's a very thin line i find sometimes between you know forced marriages and forcing a child to marry somebody and then instances like this where we spoke about the conviction, which is really slavery. It's it's trafficking of girls to places like Pakistan, even here, that end up becoming slaves for the people they kind of marry and into.
0: Quite, quite often it's so that those relatives that they're getting married to, or those people that they're getting married to back home, wherever back home it is, yeah. um, it's so that they can get a visa to come over here.
1: Yeah, that also. And yeah. they
0: place that importance on the male members of their families or, you know you know family friends or whatever they place more importance on them and their visas than they do on their own daughters
1: yeah this is it it's
0: disgusting so yeah it is slavery it's selling their their children into bondage basically
1: well barusha chandarin who's actually a leading barrister and advisor to the united nations actually said prosecuting guidance should include forced marriage among the exploitative purposes for which someone could be trafficked Families who force their children to marry should know that it is also a modern slavery offense carrying a sentence of up to life in prison. I wholeheartedly agree with her. It's that that link and that understanding between a forced marriage and slavery, I think it needs to be addressed. We're speaking about forced marriage, and let's be honest, this is something that affects all of our communities. you know it's it's happened a lot within our community. I've seen it in Pakistani communities. I've seen it in Bangladeshi's communities, you know, Iranians, Kurds, a real massive issue. And, you know, we can talk about the fact that, yeah, we're constantly changing and we're constantly becoming a bit more of a tolerant society, but we're still seeing this today amongst people here in this country. It's it's bad enough back home amongst the rural towns and rural villages in our so-called motherlands. But this is an issue that's very much today, very much our generation, our parents' generation. And for me, it still comes back to the age old adage. I can't speak for, you know, people forcing um their children to get married to be trafficked for modern day slavery. Mm-hmm. But I can speak for that age old adage of marriage almost being the kind of the be all and end all of your progression in life. Yeah. And unfortunately, I feel that a lot of our parents' generation still feel that a marriage is a means to an end in that you you have to be married at a certain point and you have to go through that. And that's your only way to progress in life and be happy.
0: Yeah, because again, like I said, it's, it's to keep you in control. It's to keep you in check and in line. And so people want you to get married for your betterment. And when I say betterment, I mean... For you to be able to kind of continue your life on the right track yeah inverted commas um it's not betterment does not mean happiness i don't think that many people are bothered about your happiness i think it's more to do with the fact that it looks like you're doing the right thing in, t- in terms of what the community you're doing and you want you know in the face of the community and you're doing what you should do because that's what you've been told by your families yeah yeah I'm not saying that like I had loads of pressure to get married. I was being set up all the time through my 20s. I was constantly being introduced. And I'm not saying that my parents didn't want me to be happy. But at the same time, they were hearing about their daughter who's in her 20s and she moved away to London and she's working on her and she, you know, she's living on her own and she's working and, you know, people would come back. I would have a rishta and we'd get the feedback from the rishta. Yeah. God knows what this girl's doing. Why is she living in London on her own? We don't want our son to marry her. Yeah. And, you know, and so my parents got that pressure from various other people within our community. So then that feeds back, their frustration then feeds back onto me. But, and you know, they they used to get so frustrated that sometimes they would say stupid things like, we're going to make you marry the next person. You can't keep saying no. You're not allowed to say no anymore. If someone says no to you, then fine. But if they don't, if you, if they don't say no, then you have to marry them. All that kind of bullshit. And I think a lot of girls hear that. Yeah. And I think their parents don't necessarily mean, my parents are brilliant people and I know they love me very, very much. So I was also then confident enough to go, I don't fucking think so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's not going to happen. You're not going to make me marry someone that I do not want to marry. But I had the confidence in the fact that I knew my parents loved me enough and want the, wanted the best for me enough to not actually force me to marry anybody. Yeah. They just wanted me to get married so that, you know, it looked okay that I was in London and then I was, you know, I moved away when I was twenty-one. I didn't get married until two weeks before my thirty-first birthday. Yeah. So for ten years I was on my own in London. And so they were like, Oh, people are talking and people are doing this because not many girls in my family had moved away from home. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was one of the first to do that after I moved away not for you not for university, but for work. I stayed at home for uni. Mm-hmm. So it was it wasn't kind of like they didn't have that excuse of, oh, she's gone away to uni and she found a job where she was. People found it really difficult to understand why I had left home. Yeah, I left home because there no job opportunities for what I wanted to do in Newcastle, and also I needed my independence. I needed a bit of freedom because I hadn't moved away for uni. But that, in the eyes of the community, wasn't the thing to be doing. It was
1: frowned upon a bit. Yeah. more,
0: Yeah. So my, you know, my mum would ring India, and India would be like, "Oh, what's Jyoti doing living away from home? How could you have let her do this?" So then she would ring me and tell me off yeah you know because they would like kind of get in her ear and then she would tell me off and I had that I clashed with my mom especially through my 20s and I think a lot of people face that but then a lot of people don't have the loving background that I came from where I could say no and push back and say you're not going to do this and I'd already gone I'd already stepped out of the house so I had that distance as well I was 300 miles away from home but um some people don't get that they no. don't get the chance to leave home in the first place, or they don't get the chance to say no to their parents. The parents don't take no for an answer. And that's when you get into a forced marriage situation.
1: Yeah, there's been uh, many instances. And I think a lot of people can relate to that story. Um, in the fact that, we you know, there's so many people now that we know in the same, the same boat, the same walk of life that get, it's not even like, forced pressure and things like that but when you constantly get told when are you getting married yeah. why aren't you married yet it grinds you down why you know you're at you're 30 now you're 32 now you're 35 now and then you know you get the the kind of the little but who's gonna want to marry you now kind of you know those kind of oh my of god like, i had sn- that all the time absolutely and it's like this it's looked at as like cultural that's how we speak to each other in our families that's how we talk to each other and it's, it's and it's like you know it's like, oh you know it's fine it's fine people don't understand the pressures of marriage people don't have to go through that people don't have to live your life as a married person or as a single person, yeah, yeah, we joke about the fact that our aunties and s- say at us at weddings and stuff oh you're next and you're next and you'll be next in line, you're next line, but why does a marriage need to be the way to define you going forward, yeah. whether you're married or not and it's and it's a it's a differentiation of whether you're successful or unsuccessful in life based on you getting married, yeah, you know we have seen so many marriages succeed and we've seen just as many marriages fail and the great number of marriages that i've seen fail in the last few years have been marriages that were either arranged or that were rushed pe- into rushed into it you know because people sometimes forget the sanctity of marriage and the reasons for getting married you know
0: i think a lot of people think of the wedding day and not beyond as yeah. well because because they're told that getting married and having a wedding is going to be the happiest time of your life. Yeah. That you will rush into having a wedding day with someone who's probably not the right choice. And deep down, you always know if you're not making the right choice. I think, having spoken to many people who've now got, are in broken marriages, um, they've always known deep down that they, that was the wrong choice. And for those who didn't know, it's because they were then deceived by their partner. So you either... I think there's always an inkling that you're not quite with the right person but you're going for it and you're going to try and make it work but you really don't think beyond the wedding day so you get caught up in planning and buying your lovely dress and all that kind of stuff and then marriage hits yeah and then you have to sit down you have to think I'm going to be with this person for the rest of my life and that's the conversation that I had with my mom once I was like mom I know that my marriage is what's going to be important not my wedding day so I can get married and keep you happy I can have that wedding day and you can invite you know the hundreds of people you want to invite and feed them and do all that but I've got to get up and and you know sleep next to this person and wake up next to this person every day I have to want to talk to them and look at their face and if I don't want to do that what position am i going to be in what is my life going to be like
1: yeah yeah
0: you know and i mean even with our we joke about our how we got together you know like how our wedding happened and I, we can go into more detail about it maybe in another show but really like our mom stepped in and it happened
1: yeah of course yeah. <laughs> you know
0: we said mom dad i've met someone and then
1: yeah no.
0: and, then, and then you know the parents stepped in
1: yeah that, that that's yeah we gonna speak about, because our, our anniversary is coming up in a couple of weeks' time, so we'll be delving into our whole wedding and the process behind it um, at a later show. Um, but coming back to this, you know, we talk about marriages and ar- arranged marriages um, and, you know, the difference between those and, say, forced marriages. Uh, I think forced marriages are something that is still looked at as quite a taboo subject area within our communities. Like, I, I always look at things like, I remember when we watched um, the film East is East, Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a scene in there where um, the the wife I can't remember goes goes to see one of her friends. She's married a, to a Pakistani guy. They have a daughter, and they've basically forced their daughter to get married to somebody uh, in Pakistan. And she's this mother is literally probably never going to see that daughter ever again. It's
0: so heartbreaking, because it's, it's in the middle of all the comedy, and then they have that, and it's so heartbreaking. But it's
1: really poignant, and it's a and what it is that little one scene within that film was a real eye opener for people because forced marriages is something that yeah we talk about it uh, and it's discussed on social media and it's you know everyone kind of has their say on their, on their opinion on it and the fact that it sh- it should just be obliterated completely but uh, you know scenes like that in a in a such a big prominent film actually opens it up to a much wider audience the same as in uh, when three girls came out yeah. you know and you saw the grooming that was happening in Rochdale now I'm not saying that there's they, there's a, they're very different cases but there's still a lot of, a lot of similarities between the, the grooming situation and these kind of forced marriages where girls end up being slaves for their what's in-laws I don't know how you could even say that and stuff because these are young 13, 14, 15 year old girls that have basically been told that you are doing this or else you know the consequences could be fatal in some circumstances Um and you know, that's what really needs to be tackled in that it's been happening for so long. Now we're only recently seeing convictions for it once the law came in in 2014. But yet, it's only the second conviction.
0: Well, I think the reason people see it as a taboo subject is everybody knows it's wrong. Everybody knows forcing your child to get married to someone they don't want to get married to, you know, and usually when they're underage, but quite often when they're 18, 19 years old, but forcing, controlling your child into that and making them do something they don't want to do is wrong. But communities keep it hushed because they don't want to be the grass, basically. They don't want to be the one who said something and then become the black sheep of that community. Yeah. So they know it's wrong. They know it's happening, but they don't want to say anything. And I think now that it's been, there's been a case that someone's gone to jail for it, people will now have to start accepting the fact that it's not right and that they have to speak out. And if they don't speak out, then actually they're an accessory to that.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's the biggest issue that I find. It's the fact that communities, just like in three the three girls situation in Rochdale, um, and just like this case now, you know, with um, this woman being convicted uh, for forced marriage, is the fact that the communities are the ones that are silent. And yeah. I think silent communities is the biggest detraction from any kind of progress in cases like this in the UK. And it's been the biggest hindrance and it's stopped so many, it would have stopped so many people from enduring the same experiences as those girls faced in Rochdale and this young girl in Birmingham had to endure to go through. Um, I think when we're talking about all these cases, there's no easy fix to them. But, getting into the heads of people within the community to tell them you guys need to speak up because you're seeing it every day. And by you not doing anything, you're basically condoning these actions. Yep. Um, and because you know, these men that they end up getting married to are all paedophilic men. Um, 30 or 34, 35, 36 year old men getting married to 13, 14, 15 year old girls. Let's just tell it like it is.
0: Yeah, it's wrong, and that is exactly what it is. I mean, what else does a an old man get from a young girl? It's a paedophilic kind Urges. of urge. Yeah, and you know what? I, the thing is, the most shocking thing is is that I have friends whose moms were married when they were thirteen. Yeah, to men who were much older. But that, then you think that was that generation, and that happened back home. So it kind of is like well that's like kind of old school thinking people don't do that anymore but these cases prove that people do still do that and they yeah. do think it's acceptable and it's not
1: yeah because you would frown on hearing a pedophile case happening anywhere else in the uk and you know completely you know lambast what's going on but yet these things are happening within our own communities and it's one rule for one and it's one rule for the other yeah how are these how are these two cases any different
0: it all comes back as I say it all comes back to the need to control girls and women. And, and not just but
1: yeah absolutely but not just girls you know I've heard cases of men being forced into marriage yeah, as young well boys in the same as well, yeah. in the same instance you know yeah. they, you know some I've heard this one story where there was a, a young girl and she'd been almost contracted to marry another young boy um and they were both in their teens neither of them had any idea what marriage is about let alone you know the the act of having children and you know leading that from that age yeah both of them both two very innocent lives that are just drawn into this crazy world and they're having to just get on with it you yeah. know um it's which is which is heartbreaking um,
0: there's a book by bali rai who deals with something like that um uh it was rani and Suk, and the guy in it is the one who's under pressure to get married Mm, and he's okay. a young he's a teenager and he's getting pressured to get married to a girl that he doesn't want to get married to Wow! and it's uh a, it's, it's a kind of young adult book but it's really good it's really well written okay. highly recommend it
1: there's another book called wings i think by a writer called sunny angel um and that also talks about her experiences in forced marriage uh in forced marriages um so yeah definitely read that um if you can find it but yeah, you know, we've seen a lot of arranged marriages within our communities, I guess, more than forced marriages. Lucky enough not to have seen too many forced marriages within my people that I know. No, I've um,
0: seen a lot of people be pressured.
1: But yeah, pre- I've seen many pressured marriages yeah. um, that have led to arranged marriages. Um, you, know, you know, we laugh about these kind of things where you hear about someone that being told that, oh, you know, we're going to go um, and see somebody. Um, you know, why don't you come with us? uh and you know they go along with them and they're like right this is the person that we think we're going to set you up with you yeah. know i've seen many many instances of this and we almost laugh about it now we joke about it but really that's a very deceptive method
0: yep i mean i can't lie i was i was like taken to a wedding once oh, come on it'll be fun let's go to this wedding let's go to this wedding and then i was introduced to two different guys at that wedding Wow. I didn't know yeah. I was going to be introduced to them. That I just got made to, I was made to doll up as you do when you go to a wedding. Yeah. And then paraded. Wow. You know, and, and this is, you know, my mom no, and dad, they're things, the best yeah. people in the world. But even my mom and dad did that.
1: Yeah. no, But no, but we see this all the time. And it's, you know, at marriages, you always get like, I'm going to introduce you to two or three guys. I want to show you one or two boys. Yeah. I want to show you a one or two girls, you know, again, why do our parents' generation have this innate desire that we have to get married at a certain point, in a certain time of our lives.
0: From what I used to hear, it was like, once you're married, then we don't have to worry about you anymore. That's what my mum used to say to me. And I was like, how can you say that? How can you say I'm going to be living in someone else's family? How can you not worry about me anymore? Yeah, and, it- and now she knows that that's not true. <laughs> and yeah. she doesn't have any reason to worry. But so imagine if she'd married me off to one of the many boys that she introduced me to before who I wasn't interested in. And what life I could have led in those in those households, she would have been worried about me every day. Yeah, because as a, as a
1: parent, you're thinking, I'm going to get you married off. And then my job is done as a parent. And they, they, they lead their son or daughter off into a marriage. You know, my, wipe my hands, my, my hands are done at this. And that child goes through extreme turmoil, extreme grief, you know, like real issues with their in-laws to the point where things get abusive. And you've basically led your child into pain.
0: Yeah. And they probably would have been better off if you just left them alone.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I've seen people married that are extremely unhappy. And mm-hmm. I've seen single people the happiest that you could be.
0: Yeah. And I have a lot of single friends who come up to me and go, oh, you've got it made. You know, you've got, you're married and everything sorted. And I'm like, mate, I had 10 years of this bullshit first. Yeah, And then I met somebody that I wanted to marry. But does being married, as much as I love you, my love, isn't the be all and end all for me. You yeah. add to my happiness.
1: Yeah, it's not the the solution for your happiness. Yeah,
0: exactly. I was happy before. So you just added to that. And that's great. But I, I don't think that if you're looking to find your happiness through marriage, then you should be really kind of careful. I think you have to find it within yourself. And also parents need to realise that their children need to be happy on their own.
1: Yeah, before they can find happiness with somebody else. Yeah, because again, it's like when people are in a bad relationship or a bad marriage and they they split up from them um, and they're going through grief. And then the adage after that is all the the same lines. So, you know, you probably have to find somebody else now to get married to. We have to find someone else for you now. Like...
0: How many people do we know at the moment who've been told who've, you know, first relationship has ended, first marriage has ended, and now they're like, well, now you have to find somebody else? Yeah. I've heard that so many times over the past few weeks from people that I know.
1: Out of the frying pan into the fire. Yeah. You know, you'd think people would learn the mistakes of the first time to ensure that they're not going to put their children through the second mire again. But you're literally glutton for punishment. Yeah. You know, and you know it's you know we've seen or i've heard so many cases of people being into arranged marriages that were kind of pressured marriages um and you know the pressures of that marriage t- take its toll and um you know some of those cases unfortunately really sad to hear people have you know taken their own lives because of it yeah that's you know? happened
0: in my family and it's really sad it's yeah. really really sad
1: yeah um, this is if you know. This is not what we like as a community, as a collective community. We can't allow these things to happen because it starts at one point, and these things can escalate, and it could cause and turn into something a lot more brutal. It could lead to something a lot more heartbreaking. And we see instances of arranged marriages throughout our, throughout my life, throughout all our families, and you know we we don't say anything you know and we don't we don't make our feelings known sometimes we don't make our feelings heard and then things happen and you can't go back on that and you you regret not doing that and i've known many instances in my life where i've regretted not saying something to somebody about are you sure you're doing the right thing with this is this right is this correct and i didn't um i'm not saying these things ended up in any kind of bad situation but you kind of feel within those communities where you're seeing Force marriages, arranged marriages, this is not a taboo subject. This is a very, very, it's a cancer in our community. And the only way you can eradicate that is from people to speak up and let their voices be known. Just today, a couple in Leeds have been found guilty of luring their 19-year-old daughter to Bangladesh in an attempt to force her to marry her cousin and have a baby with him. Um, the jury heard that the girl's parents told her that they were going on a six week holiday to visit relatives and celebrate Eid. However, upon her arrival, she was told by her dad that they found her husband for her and then this is how this story escalated thereafter. We see many instances like this, and we don't say anything, and we don't and we keep things quiet because you know what that's our that's just the culture that we have it's just what we do it's not what we do. the only way we can stop this going forward is for people to stand up and make their voices known within our own communities to stop these things from happening.
0: Well hopefully these cases will now kind of strike some fear into the into the hearts of the people who are considering doing this with their children. You know, it will make them think twice because now they don't they know they can't get away with it. Yeah. You know, it's been they've People have done it for so long because there has been no conviction, because they have thought that they can get away with it, because it is their culture and they will try and hide behind religion for it as well. But actually now the law says, no, you cannot do this. If your child is a British citizen, this is not allowed. And hopefully now people will stop being quite so backwards about this and actually start thinking of their children for once.
1: Yeah, because we have to reiterate, this really isn't a religious custom no this is very much a cultural custom a cultural custom amongst all our communities
0: an archaic okay cultural cu- custom as well
1: absolutely that needs eradicating uh, within our within society within our communities within the whole of the uk within the whole of the world and if we don't start now how many more lives will be lost because of it how many of your children's lives will be lost because of it it needs to end it needs to end now right That's coming to the end of another episode of the Native Immigrants podcast. We'll be back next week to tackle more subjects and topics of agenda. I'm your host, Swami Barakas.
0: And I'm Jojo underscore B.
1: And we'll see you next week, people. Peace.
0: See you.